Hey y'all, it's Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, we're going to talk about two board games that came from video games, Northgard and Sniper Elite, plus an historical game, 1941 Race to Moscow. And y'all, it's finally happening. In this episode's Taste Buds, great Pop-Tarts are finally back and we get to have one! Hello and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 261, entitled Snowbound Genesis. My name is Marty. Okay, I'm Tony. You know that's not the title of the actual song. Oh, it's a Snowbound by Genesis? I see yes. no hyphen. It's just a Snowbound Genesis in the show notes. Oh, Mr. I Know All Songs and All Music, you should have known Snowbound by Genesis. I actually don't know that song. What album's out that off of? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I was listening to it earlier and I forgot to look up the album. It's okay. one of the early it's one of the early ones. I don't think it's one right after Peter Gabriel left, but it was soon, yeah, it was very close. That's hilarious. Cuz I was going to say I've never heard of this song. So You've Snowbound never- by Genesis. Yes. Who uh was it? They recently just had a tour, and I think it's their final tour. I hope so. Phil Collins was not looking too good. He basically just sits on the stage and sings now. I don't know how. Yeah, he, he has a chair and just I mean, I'm sure it was iconic uh to see uh the, them in a, a live show. I wish I could have seen them in their prime. I never did. I didn't either. Now and there was another concert in Charlotte recently, and it was like do they all have handicapped parking? I mean, I'm talking, it was, oh, I'll have to look it up, but I know it included Joan Jett. Yeah, you may have known. It was a ton was it of Holly Crew, Joan Jett, Def Leppard. Yes. Uh, people like that, maybe Poison. Uh, yeah. All right, so this is funny. So a lot of hair bands, right? My sister was dying to go, and she couldn't get tickets because it sold out. And Why? And super high. And this, and get this, this was in Panther Stadium, uh, which is a NFL football stadium. So she contacted me the day of the concert, said her and her friend managed to get tickets, even though they're sitting in the upper deck, they were going and she was super excited, but I haven't talked to her since then to see what she thought. <laughs> I can, I mean, Joan Chad, I would enjoy seeing even today. I mean, you know, she was in, um, what was it? The Runaways? Yep. Yeah, and um, which, by the way, was a uh, recent Jeopardy question, as in a contestant on the Jeopardy who's also got a PhD, da 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 da. You know, um, it was in, and what was the name of the band she was in? And you know who I'm talking about, Jerry? What was uh, Jackie? Jackie, Jackie Fox? Yeah, I think it's Fox, F U C H S, who we've actually talked to on Twitter about coming on the show. She said she would. Uh, come on the show and talk to us about her, how she got into board games, but also, you know, early life as a musician, a lawyer, and then, like you said, a contestant on Jeopardy. A winner on Jeopardy, I believe. Yes, a winner on Jeopardy. I'm excited. I hope that comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. Fruition? No, fruition. That's fruition. the word I'm looking for. Yes. Speaking of fruition, uh, our strike tournaments are going to be coming into fruition this year. We have a lot of tickets left over. Typically, these go pretty quick, but I have a feeling that maybe attendance still will be a little bit low, Tony, because the Origins just released their numbers of attendance this year, and it was only 60% of what it was pre-COVID. Okay. So not everybody's getting back out there. So we still have a, a lot of tickets left. Now, I know one of the things that we're doing for sure, we're always going to have a lot of giveaways. We're working with Ultra Pro to give an amazing gift bag to everyone that comes. It's going to have some games and some Ultra Pro stuff in it. So each person that attends will get one of those bags. You get to play in the strike tournament. 
Uh, we have a few people that's going to be guests showing up right now. I believe Man vs. Meeple is going to be there. I talked to Rob and Christina from Blue Peg Pink Peg. They're going to come along. And, and if you're just going to come out and hang out with them and see them and everything, it's going to be Thursday, 530 uh, at the Old, Old Spaghetti Factory. Factory. OSF. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have tickets right now available. You can go to buymeamoonpie.com and right there on the front page, you can get a ticket. They're $25 per person. But if you become a member and support us through buymeamember.com, you can save $5 off per ticket. Okay. Keep talking. I'm going out there on the Google world and I'm finding out if it's still in business. Because it was when I talked to him and it's been a while. Oh, that, that would be hilarious if we show up and it's boarded up. <laughs> then it's street strike. It would not be hilarious. We'd have to refund food. We'd have to go to the food trucks. And I don't want to do that. I just want to make sure that they're still in business because you, you never know. You know. Things happen. Good news. It's still on the web page. Does that mean it's open? I don't know. <laughs> All right, so it's still going to happen. That That is uh, fantastic. So again, our big annual strike tournament, everybody gets prizes. We get a bunch of publishers to donate stuff to give away at the end of the night. Plus the big strike tournament, y'all, is it uh, who's going to win this year? Dice in the bowl for the first time or the continuing domination of gladiators in an arena? Well, we know the gladiators are pretty strong this year. Matter of fact, there's a big shout out. Birthday wishes to BJ over at Board Game Gumbo. He had a birthday recently, and he and I were celebrating. You know, what do gladiators do? Are they not entertained on their birthday? That's right. They are. So I hope he had a big one. I hope he's, I, I hope he's ready to defend the crown, because I know I am. I know I am ready for us to continue to be the gladiators in the arena. Speaking of BJ, uh, he felt a little bad for all the crappy stuff that we've had to taste recently. Aww. And he actually sent us some snacks. He did. To try. Yes. I did not get these. You and I got together on Saturday, but these were not here. Uh, these are called, they're flavored popcorn. Okay. Ooh. This is going to be the first time that I'm showing you these. I love salty snacks. So here's the first one. Cajun pop. King. Oh, king cake. Oh, king my. Cake. Oh, so this is going to be some sweet popcorn, but uh, king mm. cakes are amazing. I hope there's a baby in the bag. That would be hilarious. But here's the one I'm excited about. It's going this to be some hot. This is also Cajun pop, popcorn, flavored popcorn. Boiled crawfish. Okay. Have you ever had boiled crawfish? Was it crawfish? What do they throw in, um, oh, low country boil? Is that crawfish? It is crawfish. Then yes. Or Shrimp. I guess you could do shrimp. You too. can do shrimp. I think. I think we had a mixture of both. To me, a, a crawfish looks like a big shrimp or a big lobster or a tiny lobster. Tiny lobster. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can eat the same way with the tail and everything. Did the did the boil have corn, mm -hmm. potatoes in it? Oh yeah, corn, potatoes. It had yeah. everything, and you just threw it all in there. Go with the pop. It's kind of like a Kentucky burgoo with roadkill. This Good is stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to try that. So we'll be trying that soon. And, and in fact, in fact, we're going to be doing a Taste Buds segment in the show. Now, Tony, uh, I know we have this typically at the end of the intro. However, uh -oh. I would like to call it audible at the line. Okay. Whatever. You know me. I would like to go ahead and do our Taste Buds now because tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. is my annual physical and everybody knows when you go into a physical, you're supposed to fast 12 hours beforehand. 
And what we're going to get ready to eat tonight has a lot of sugar and carbs in. And all I need is for my doctor to go, well, you know, your, uh, your triglycerides and sugar is really high this time. And I don't want to have to be for the reasons like, well, it's because I just ate uh, a lot of sugar the night before for a podcast. So if we can go ahead and do this now, I can actually be enjoying this as we uh, finish going through the uh, intro. Okay. I would look into getting a new doctor if my doctor talked like that. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Actually, I'm no surprised you didn't just snap from. the glove or something. You know, your triglycerides and everything. They don't do that anymore. No, they don't. But still, pop. You know, that's the old common joke. The oh. what Chevy Chase movie was that? Oh, that was Fletch. That was Fletch. Okay, Moon River. Did you use the whole fist doc? <laughs> did you ever spend time in prison? I used to have that movie just quotable the, the entire mm. way through all right y'all for the first time in several episodes this is going to be a good tasting taste buds cue music All right, so several weeks ago, I put out the call on Twitter going, y'all, we, we've done enough bugs. Can we get something good? We've been, I've been craving these great Pop-Tarts that have been so hard to find. They've been re-released. Great Pop-Tarts are very nostalgic to me. It was my favorite Pop-Tart as a kid growing up. And at some point in time, they decided to cancel making that flavor. They recently came back and uh, a buddy or a friend of the show, Lance, contacted me and said, all right, I got some. I'm shipping them to you. That day we got that. Another friend of the show, Jerry, said <laughs> he didn't know this was happening, sent us a case, a case of 12 boxes of great Pop-Tarts. Tony has six and I have six. Was, was Donna shocked by that uh, when you walked in the house? She just shook her head at me. She just goes, <laughs> what, what? She goes, first, <laughs> so... She discovered the bugs that are laying on the recording studio desk right now, which is her desk when I'm not sure. here. And she was like, what's this? And she picks it up and she immediately turns it over. She knows, I, I know what this is. I don't want to look at it. But no, she just shook her head and she shook her head with the um, sodas, the disgusting sodas. And oh, by the way, Bert, nice videography of us tasting grass soda. I'm still confused by that. So, wow, you're jumping all over the place. All right. So another person that sent us stuff uh, was Mac, who sent us a bunch of different uh, snacks and drinks and stuff. And one of them is actually, Tony, a drink that we're going to try tonight, which is the new Mountain Dew Overdrive. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying <laughs> they have this sugar drink and I have a Pop-Tart. That's why I want to go ahead and do this now Ooh. so I can get that. So this will be the last thing I have before my uh, uh, physical tomorrow. But also in that box, he sent us some bacon maple syrup soda grass soda and swamp juice swamp juice and uh what we did was we got together on saturday and we tried the grass soda live on twitter you go look on our twitter account and you'll see it there and it was such a strange taste it's like okay i see where they get the grass taste from but it actually didn't taste bad it didn't it was it, but it, your brain's sitting there going this should be tasting bad but it's not tasting bad but so have you opened your pop tarts 
I have because uh, during the theme song, I went in there and threw it in the microwave and I got it nice and warm. Did you take the take it out of the wrapper? Uh, duh. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. It's aluminum foil. I know you don't do that. I know. Back in, I had my Pop-Tart post toaster back in the day. Oh, uh, yeah. That's I, probably the best way to do it. Oh, man. This is nostalgic right here. So let me ask you something. Oh, what we're going to do first, we're going to do the drink or the Pop-Tart? We're going to do the Pop-Tart, of course. That's dessert. Okay. So as a reminder, Frosted Grape Pop-Tart. Nobody could use my Pop-Tart toaster, by the way, in my house. Why is that? Because it was set at the perfect Pop-Tart cooking temperature. Ah, okay. Do you like yours uh, just where you got warm or a little uh, crispy or crunchy on the edges? Crispy on the edges. Nice. It is. All right. So I have not heated mine up. I'm good with just keeping it. Out. I mean, smell that artificial grape. Concord grape, baby. I love, I, love, I love the grape sprinkles on it. That looks good. Now, my icing didn't make it all the way to the end. I got a little, it's a little, little thin in one area. You do know what I'm doing, don't you? Stalling? I'm stalling to keep you from tasting your nostalgia. Well, I'm salivating here. Okay. So. Well, well, all right. Let's do this. From decades ago. Here we go. My favorite Pop-Tart flavor. Here we go. Mmm! Oh, my gosh. It's as good as I remember. Oh, man. Oh, that's so good. Definitely. They got that artificial grape flavor, baby. Mmm. Mm. There you go. That is, oh, that's it's, the taste of childhood right there. Now, is it, it doesn't taste, mm. taste as strong as a grape popsicle. No. No? It's just nice pastry with a little bit of grape filling in it. And the vanilla uh, icing on it's not that strong. Mm. I mean, we are connoisseurs of, um, oh, and, and Jeff. Jeff sent us a whole bunch of different flavors. Mm. We had Oreos yes. and s'mores and all yep. these other things. A bunch of and chocolate, chocolate fudge and everything, oh. which both of us have already tried. So thank you so much for sending uh, those oh. to us. S'mores is so good. Mm. So yes, oh. it's great. Mm, there you go. Oh, well, so much for making this last the whole ep uh, intro. You only Four got... And I'm done. You got six boxes. You can go binge. No. Uh, just one. Just one? What, just I'm one Pop-Tart or one yeah. package? Just one. one no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They go stale. One. Mm -hmm. Shoot. Eating the whole freaking thing. Mm. I get on scales tomorrow. So? I don't want my doctor to yell. You know, you got some extra weight since the last time you were here. He doesn't care. He's looking at you. He's looking at like boat ski. Go gain some weight. He's trying to figure mm. things out. Pop the last little bit in my mouth. That was good. Oh, got a little hole in the flaky pastry there. Worth the wait right there. Woo. All right. While we finish this, on Saturday, you went and met one of our local listeners, board game fangirl, mm -hmm. who brought us a lot of Asian food. I'm not sure what all of it was. It was like three different little containers of Asian food plus a dessert mm -hmm. uh, that was some sort of bean paste yep red bean paste and then uh a moki maki boba tea ice cream snack yes some yeah one of the things i've eaten um sort of the bean paste type of desserts before um, okay my my wife worked for the chinese department at our uh at my daughter's high school and they had these big chinese celebrations and that was one of their desserts 
So I knew that that was going to be kind of not very sweet. I knew I was going to like all this. What I didn't wasn't sure about was the kimchi type um, cabbages that she brought us. So kimchi I've had before, which is fermented cabbages. Mm-hmm. Uh, they leave it in the ground and it ferments. And when I've had it before, I wasn't crazy about it. So you brought it and I said, well, I need to try this. That was really good. That was amazing. And, and you hit the nail nail on the head saying how we should be eating this. Here's how, Okay, here's how you're going to take uh, this Asian dish and we're going to mix it with some good Southern food. This, again, this is cabbage that's fermented. So it has like an acidic taste, almost like a vinegar-based type flavor to it. And it has some spice in it, some heat. Got some heat on the back end, baby. Heat on the back end. I, I told Tony, I said, think about this. You get a nice big old fluffy bun some homemade smoked pork barbecue, Mm. pile it on a bun, put some of that kimchi on it, which is like almost like a barbecue style slaw Mm. and chomp down on that thing. And it would be amazing. Absolutely. I got to find out where she got that because you're absolutely right. Next time I go do a little smoking on the old grill, I am adding that so that everybody can, instead of just regular boring mayonnaise coleslaw, you know, I'm I, I'm going to put that on there. That's got some good heat to it, and it wasn't overpowering heat, and it wasn't a strong smell. Oh, that was so good! And even the white cabbage she brought, I think it was cabbage. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, there was a couple other things that we tried, and they were all good. Uh, the kimchi really stood out to me. the The dessert, like you said, was not too sweet. I'd had something like that before, and the ice cream treat I had had that sort of thing before too. And it's like if you like the boba. Uh, tea type things, then it kind of had that flavor to it. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the black tea, but that wasn't too bad as far mm-hmm. as overpowering, but man, yeah, all that kimchi. I was thinking about that all the way home. I was like, dang, that was good. Yeah. I, I'm same with you. We need to find out where we we'll get that and have some barbecue. I appreciate her meeting me as I was heading towards your house across country. And you know, we, we did that clandestine meetup. Hey, you got, hey, you got something? Yeah. Got something here, you know? <laughs> Has a trench coat and it's like some kimchi. Yeah. Okay. We wouldn't go that far. It was just basically hanging out the car, throwing stuff at one another. I threw her a few board games that I had and she threw me some kimchi. I was like, okay, this was a fair trade. All right. So the last thing on here is the Mountain Dew Overdrive. I have no idea what flavor this is. It's a, um, it's, um, oh God, I read about it. It's a citrus flavor. Citrus. Yeah. Look at the symbols. You've got a uh, lemon and a lime. Strawberry, and raspberry, strawberry, maybe. Yeah. Yep. yep All right. Yep. Are we Let's ready to do this? Pop this bad boy open. Nice little pop. It's not a can. It's a. It's a bottle. Oh, I'm gonna love this. Yeah. This is almost like a fruit punch. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready? Oh, I wish there was a zero sugar because that's really good. Mm, that's good. I love fruity punch type so- sodas, and that's what this is. Again, Max sends this Mountain Dew Overdrive. Man. And what stinks is. It is only available at conven- Casey's Convenience Stores in the Midwest. Yeah, which is why he sent that to mm-hmm. us, because we could not get it. Oh, just mm-hmm. like uh, the the Purple Thunder or whatever that's out now here locally, I wish there was a zero sugar of that and this. Yeah, I drove to Circle K today for lunch just to have that. I was like, man. What do I you got- think? Oh, I, yeah. if that was zero, that would be top notch right there. It'd been bam. Yep. You know, but it's not going to make it into the grocery store. So they did release a whole bunch of other flavors. But yes, this overdrive, whoo, man, hopefully maybe that can make it down our way. Love the orangey. Oh, yeah, that's just good right there. So yeah. we've had grape, we've had orange, we've had lime, we've had strawberry. We've hit our fruit groups. Ooh. 
All right, y'all, y'all are amazing. Thank you so much for sending some good flavored stuff. We got some salty snacks maybe coming next episode. We got a lot of stuff to try. We really do. So we'll have to double up on some of this. Uh, why are you staring at the bugs? Put the bugs down. Put the bugs away. I'm thinking that that's salty. Oh, well, here's the thing. Bugs should probably do another live Twitch stream. Oh, yeah. We so you get the full effect. Yeah, we're definitely going to do that on live Twitching. We're going to be Twitching after we eat them, too. Ooh. All right. You and I got to play a game together a couple of weeks ago that we've been wanting to get to the table. It's called Abstract Academy, which is from Crafty Games and uh, Flat Out Games. Now, Tony, when I first saw this, this is a two-player game, playing some cards. Each of the cards have four quadrants on them, and they could be one of three different colors, uh, either yellow, blue, or red. They could be The card could be all red or three segments, blue, one yellow. It's just a, a various combination of things. And your goal is to lay out the cards on the table and try to make patterns based on the goals that are dealt at the beginning of the round. The game's going to be played over three rounds. And I thought, okay, this doesn't really seem that unique or different until you actually started playing the game because what you're doing is you're building a four by four grid. Whenever the first player puts down that first card, that card you don't know where is going to be within that four by four grid. So that card that I played could be on the first row or fourth row. You, you just don't know. And the next, Tony, you would put down a card. It must be orthogonal to, to the existing card. Once you have four cards in a row, you've established the width of the play area. Mm -hmm. Then you start creating your columns. Mm -hmm. And once you have laid out what would essentially be like a four by four tableau at that point, then you're playing within that area. But what's interesting is at the end of the round, you're only going to score points for the two rows that are closest to you. So when you put that first card down, it's like, oh, I have a strategy. I'm gonna put this card here so I can put this other card here so I can try to get the most points for the, the largest blue area or the most individual blocks by themselves. But you just don't know until about three quarters of the way through the game where these cards are gonna end up for potential scoring. All right, and it's not like you cannot play on my side of the table until the boundaries are set. And then you have to stay out of my home row which is, which the, is the very first closest row. Yeah. yeah. And it's just the closest. So it's, so it's one of those things. And, and there's three rounds and there's various scoring objectives based on the round. And we're putting this, I'm reading the instructions on this. I'm like, okay, I'm getting confused on what's an area and what's a, uh, what's a, a quadrant, but it's real simple. There's four quadrants on a car and an area is comprised of all the quadrants of the same color. And I'm like, okay, I'm seeing how this is coming together. You decimated me as you only, cause I, I'm not good at this spatial stuff, dude. I'm just not. Well, what's interesting is, is like if we were both going for like the largest blue area, I could play a card on your side as long as it's not in your home row, it could be in your second row. And I might play a card over there to break up your blue area and screw you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and can. then you could do the same to me. You might see an objective I'm going for and play a card over on my like second row to potentially mess me up. So I just think it was, the game was really interesting as you start. You just don't know how the board's going to be laid out uh, size-wise before mm -hmm. you can really start working on those scoring objectives. And you're sitting there with the cards in your hand. You're like, okay, I'm going to play this one like this. And you're like, oh, that's perfect. He just laid that one down. That's going to help me out big time. And, and you're like, okay, I'm going to play this. And then the next thing, okay, maybe he's going for that objective. And I know he's going to play over there. Oh, he didn't. What is he doing? Why is he here? Get out of my space. So overall, I enjoyed this. This was fun. Yeah. This was fun. Yeah. This is one of those, I read the rules and I went, I don't know. It looks kind of generic. And then you play it and you go, no, this is kind of cool. 
It's mm-hmm. just really, and it plays super fast. You're talking three rounds and it takes no time at all to play. 20 minutes, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. You could probably play it quick unless you got a little bit of AP or something like that. Yeah, and you can go up to four player, but I think it's definitely best with two because four, you go to a five by five grid. Um, I don't know. Just leave, just you go sit over there. Go buy. I mean, this game's $8 at Miniature Market. Go buy your own. Play over there. Y'all leave us yeah. alone. Yeah, so if you're looking for a nice little two player card game, has some spatial stuff to it with some really interesting dynamics as the game's being played. And again, I'm with Tony, two player only. Small box, you can throw it in your bag, play it at a convention, play it at a restaurant or something. It was uh, it was really good. It's out now, right? Yeah. You said I, what, $8? $8 a miniature market. I, uh, it's in my bag. It's one of those that I think, you know, as we go, okay, well, while we're waiting on people for game night, hey, you want to do this? Yeah, we can throw that. So it's always there. We got plenty of those games. But yeah, this was definitely fun. And it's one, Donna, Donna enjoyed playing this with me. Oh, good. I was wondering if she would like it. Again, this is called Abstract Academy. Last episode, Tony, I totally forgot about one of the coolest games I got to play at Origins. It's a brand new game coming out from Capstone at Gen Con, and it's called Catherine colon The Cities of Serena. Okay. Well, you tell me about this while I finish out this second great uh, you pop finish card, out that because I don't have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. There, there's not much to say about this, except you know how much I love game Euro games that kind of have simple rules, but can get thinky and are done in 45 minutes to an hour. That's what this game is. Okay. But what's really cool about this is that you have a hand of cards that you're playing and on your turn, you're going to play a card to your action row or your activation row. They're dual use cards. If I play a card to my action row, these cards all have uh, different color backgrounds That means those things are ready to go to take some sort of action. But to activate that action, I must play the same color card below it in my activation row. That's one unique twist to this game. And it's one of those, has a little bit, tiny bit of point salad because there's multiple ways to score points. You got a map that you're putting cities onto the map. You can increase the area of your cities and you're going to get some in-game scoring points if you have a bunch of adjacent cities. Uh, The cards could do different things like uh, place cities on the board. Draw cards into your hand, and this was the unique aspect that David Waybright really got me into once we started playing. You know how typically when you need to draw cards into your hand, and if you go over your hand limit, you just discard cards? Mm -hmm. This has a unique thing to where once you draw up to your hand limit, anytime you have to draw additional cards, those are points. So if I have a hand limit of four cards in my hand, and I activate the card that says draw two cards... Instead of drawing two cards, I just get two points. And so on our first game, David Waybright was creating this engine of just constantly drawing cards into his full hand. So it was just point, 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 point. Meanwhile, I was putting a bunch of cities onto this map. And as I put cities on the map, there's a scoring track off to the side of the board. We have a tracker that moves up. As the tracker moves up, your hand size increases. So that means that thing that he was doing is going to be hard for me to do because my hand size is now bigger, but I'm now earning more into the game and per round points because that tracker over on the left-hand side is going up. It is a very simple game to learn. We probably played, we play like three times. It's It sets up quick, deal out the cards, you, you play. I can't wait for you to try this because this is one of those, you didn't like Ragusa, I know that, but I, I like, it's that style of game to where 45 minutes on the table, enjoy it, pack it up, move it on to the next. All right. Well, when's it coming out? It's coming out at Gen Con, so you'll hear a lot more about it then. But again, the two things that stuck out to me was the really cool card play of cards being used for both the action of the card or used to activate 
another card and a whole thing of like, once your hand is full, anytime you draw, you get points instead of having to like draw up and discard or something. Yeah. And again, it's called Catherine, the Cities of Serena from Capstone Games. So from Capstone, I recently purchased a game that's been getting a lot of buzz called mm. Arc Nova. It was on a miniature market, got theirs in. I had a notification in It said, hey, this game's here now. I said, you know what? Over uh, a good friend of ours, Chevy Dodd, helps with Portal. He has his own um, YouTube channel, The Daily Shed. He's been talking nonstop about this. And I've been seeing a lot of buzz about this. And I said, you know what? They say it's a great two-player game. It's about zoos. I'm like, you know what? I think Donna might enjoy a more thinky game. I couldn't get her to try Fields of Arl. Maybe this will help me get that game on the table, a larger two-player game. So one night I'm sitting there punching it and punching it and punching it and punching it. Mm -hmm. and, uh -huh, uh -huh. and they've got these nice trays that you've got to put the pieces in. And I'm putting stuff on the, on the, in the trays and things like this. And I'm on the couch and a piece flips up in the air. And in slow motion, I'm watching it. I'm like, don't go between the cushions. Don't go between the cushions. Don't oh, go no. between the, boom, right between the cushions. Now it's a sectional. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, all right, well maybe. And then all of a sudden I hear this, thunk. I went, oh crap, it fell through. So this piece fell all the way between the sectional between, and I'm like, okay, now, and it's not the small section where it's an easy lift and separate and pick up. Oh no. No. It's the big piece of the couch. Of course it uh, is. Of course it is. So I've got to say, all right, Donna, get off the couch. I've got to get off the couch. And then, oh, and the piece that interlocks in, is this piece the one that you can just easily lift up and slide? Oh, no, Probably it's the not. middle section. No, the piece on the end is the piece that it sits down and locks into so it doesn't move very well. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So finally, Donna gets up. I get up. She helps me lift it up. I slide it. And I'm like, where is it? And she's like, I don't see it. And I'm like looking around, looking around. And then she goes, oh my gosh, it's dusty underneath here. That's right. We ended up dusting all underneath the couch. So now the whole sectional's moving around. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I'm like, where's the piece? I can't find the piece. Well, come to find out, the piece, it had rolled to the point where it was in front of the couch where I didn't even need to move the sectional, but it was underneath the little carpet to this point. I've yet to play Arc Nova. My, the underneath my couch is clean. There's no dust and I've repositioned it. So it's better on the floor. Oh, and on top of that, you know how you have the plugs in the, in the floor in a, like a big uh, open, what do you call it? Open floor plan. Yeah. I, of course, knocked that plug out, knocked out all the lights and, and, oh, oh, I was like, so thank you capstone games for allowing me to play move the couch. It's a heavy Euro. So, oh, oh, that was good. I like that. Well done. We're here all night. Y'all probably heard me talk many times on this show about how I love my LCGs, man. Arkham Horror, I love to play. Marvel Champions, I play. Lord of the Rings is back, and I played a couple games of Origins, and that game has really stood the test of time. But the problem is organizing all these cards. Well, guess what? What? Thank you. Ultra Pro is there to help me out with their new Pro Storage three drawer organizer. This is a super nice organizer. It has these removable drawers that you can store all your cards and they stack. 
it's a modular type thing where there's it has three drawers and if you get multiple of those sets they can stack on top of each other they come with little card dividers that you can use in the drawers and get this y'all coming sometime this month keep an eye out because i'm going to be doing a live twitch stream where i'm going to reorganize my arkham Har lcg collection and put everything in this brand new three drawer organizer. We'll see if I get all the way through it, Tony, because I have hundreds and hundreds of cards. There's a lot of organization I, I need to do to make sure I get it exactly the way that I want it. But with this product, I know that anytime I can say, okay, I'll pull out this drawer. This is all my investigators. Sweet, I can pull out this drawer. This is all uh, of my uh, scenarios or whatever. So. I, I can't wait to get that all set up and make it a little bit easier to build my decks and play the game. You know what's missing in your game room, Marty? What's that? Besides the organizer. So you have all these baseball cards, right? Yes. So Ultra Pro has these hangers, or they're, they're called these one-touch magnetic hangers, where they can hold baseball cards, and they have the um, sawtooth uh, uh, hangers on them. I'm, I'm talking about hangers, hangers, hangers. Okay, so basically it is a frame that's got these magnetic clear cases where you put your baseball cards in and you click, 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 and you can have them on the wall. So so it's basically between two pieces of like uh, acrylic? Yes. And the pieces of acrylics are held together with magnets? Yes. And there's a hanger on the back that you can hang up on the wall? Yeah, I thought I was crystal clear here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but obviously I wasn't, and I appreciate your help on this. So what good are all my baseball cards doing in my nightstand besides sitting there? Well, here's the thing is, it's not only for baseball cards and sports cards, it could be for collectible cards, right? Maybe you got some collectible magic cards or Pokemon or any other style of card and you want to show your collection off to everybody. We well, can use these really nice multi-card one-touch holders to hang on your wall to nicely display your cards. Now, you probably don't want to put your Black Lotus in here because I assume it's been graded and in a much, much better case. But maybe there's some other stuff that you want to show off. Maybe some autograph cards or something like that that you can hang up in your room. It's, these do look really nice. I don't have any of that. I've got baseball cards. That's what I collected. Baseball cards. Okay, so I'm going to put those there. I'm going to put my Johnny Bench Rookie. I'm going to put my Carl Yastrzemski. I got my 61 Maris. Why do they, my Cal Ripken Charlotte O's rookie card, I need to put those up so that I can enjoy them. They, they protect them from the UV. That's very important. So check those out if you have those kind of cards. I think this would look really nice in your gaming room, Marty. I, I Someday I'll have a gaming room and I'll be able to display all this cool stuff. So be sure to head over to ultrapro.com. And don't forget, you can get 5% off your order by using code RDTN. So at a recent game day, we got to play this game called Northgard Uncharted Lands by Adrian Deneuve from Hashit Games and Studio H. And when we first got over to Marty's and he was going to do the teaching of this amazing, incredible game based on a video game, I don't know how many times I heard, have y'all played the video game? No, I've never played this video game, Marty. I know nothing about, I should play it. Is it that you good? It. You like RTS games, right? I do. Starcraft, uh, Warcraft 3, et cetera. We played a bunch of different ones. Company of Heroes. This is probably one of the most popular, most recent RTSs has been on a while. RTSs are somewhat of a dead genre. 
But Northgard really kind of came back strong and brought it back to life. And I've been playing for years and they continue to support it. I used to play a bunch of co-op games with uh, Rodney Smith and uh, Chaz Marler. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a Viking thing game. Everybody has different factions. But what I loved about it, it wasn't just about annihilating the, the other people on the board. There were different goals that you could have, other uh, winning conditions that you could have. And each faction had special possible winning conditions. There were tech trees and stuff. So when this came out on Kickstarter a few years ago, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I hope this game is good. And Hashit, Danny from Hashit, by the way, <laughs> she corrected us <laughs> on the last show when we was talking about it. She, she said, thank you for the coverage of uh, what you saw at our booth. It's Hashit. I think that was right. I know I I think Hashe, I wasn't putting in the T, but you got to put the T in there. It's French. Anyway, and uh, so uh, they sent this to us because this is going to be coming out at Gen Con. And it was everything that I wanted this to be. Is it a full 100% mimic of the video game? No, that would just be way too hard. But what this game is at its core is a deck building 4X game. That's how it was sold to me. And I believe that's accurately how it's played and i'm going to only say that it is a very light deck builder okay so when people think deck builders one of the things they immediately jump to is 15 20 cards in a deck Mm. that's not the case here first off it it blows all conventions of a deck builder you're not drawing five cards you're drawing four that threw me for a loop i'm like no i got to draw five i am a deck building master here you've got to let me draw five marty no Draw four. And you're going to draw four. And everybody starts with the same set of cards like a typical deck builder, except everybody it picks a faction at the beginning of the game, and you get one special faction card that's also included in your deck that makes every faction just a tad different. And there's additional faction cards. See, you timed that so well. I just stuck another piece of Pop-Tart in my mouth. <laughs> I did that on purpose. I know you did. Because <laughs> I'm getting to enjoy all of it. Ah, nice. So you, you'll you be able to upgrade to a, to a more powerful clan card. So as you're playing your deck, you'll get to do various actions. You'll get to build a building. You'll get to explore new lands. I was like, ooh, Marty's explaining all this. He says, okay, you understand the basics of deck building, build and explore and things like this. But here's where the game sits. It sits with you trying to conquer these lands. And when you explore, build various lands so you get victory points. Because you're putting these tiles down in such a way that you are setting borders. You're setting your kingdom borders. And as your Vikings move into it, they get control. And that's where you're going to get the points. Because at the end of the game, it's not the most victory points that wins, is it, Marty? It potentially could be. I thought it was fame. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> you're right i already equated fame to uh, victory points yes in the video game one of the winning conditions is to get a bunch of fame and that's one of the things you're collecting over the course of the game so yeah that is one of the ways to win is after seven years you're playing through seven years person with the most fame at the end wins but there is another way you can win in the middle of the game and the way you do that is by controlling a land of at least three tiles in size i say three tiles it's three regions on a tile with a kingdom hall a uh, large yeah. building. A large building. So there's building. two different types of building. A small building and a large building. You must control three enclosed areas of a certain size, and they each must have a large building in them. Don't, it doesn't matter how much fame you got. They won. That's interesting. I like that. Because maybe I'm not going after fame. Maybe the fame is not rolling in for me, but I'm trying to build my kingdom so I can take advantage of that. Now, one thing I don't remember about this, and Marty, maybe you can help me, is 
was that an instant win or was that seventh year win where that what, you evaluated? No, it was instant at the end of the year. And we could talk about the, how the year flows, but the end you check for victory. Okay. If it's not the seventh year and that condition hits, victory automatically kicks in. Yeah. And the small buildings that you're building are, you know, maybe a wood mill or a peach or, or a, a tomato orchard or a defensive tower uh, or a lore camp where you're getting these special stones that give you capabilities. You know, when you were going over the rules, I'm like, this isn't that hard. It's not a hard game. And the, the modular board, like you talked about, there's individual tiles that you put down and they indicate on each tile what size builder can go there, large or small. They may have resources that are there because each year you'll be able to collect resources for areas that you control. In addition to maybe those small buildings that you built, like in the lumber camp, et cetera. But at the beginning of the year, you're going to draw four cards. Now, this is kind of different from a deck builder, too. Typically with deck builders, you play your entire hand and you're done. Not so in this one. You play one card at a time. And you can play a card, take the action on that card. Like you said, that action could be as simple as explore, draw a new tile, put it on the board. Recruit, add a new person to your uh, one of your areas. And if you happen to have one of the small buildings, it gives you a bonus recruit uh, if you put it in there. Uh, there is uh, also build, where you can build the buildings. It takes you one wood to build a small building. It costs three wood to build one of the large buildings. Like you mentioned, there's several different buildings. There's a defense tower that helps with defense. Those large buildings could be like a fortress. It helps with combat. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, one's called Altar of Kings, which just basically each year you're going to generate three fame points if you want a quick way to generate fame. Uh, you can also just play a card to wait. Go, you know what? I'm not going to do anything yet, but I have to do something on my turn. So I'm just going to play a card and wait. This is what I like. So the lore resource that you talked about, this is how you manage your deck. I could play a card, pay one lore token, and draw a new card. I could put a card down, pay two lore to discard that card out of the game. That's how you call. Or I have those two clan upgrade cards. I could pay three lore to bring one of those new cards into my hand. Or last thing is just pass. Once you pass, you're done for the entire round. Easy peasy. It's easy peasy. And it is true 4X. You're going to explore. You're going to exploit by getting the resources that are in the area. Uh, you're going to exterminate because you can uh, fight each other. Because Tony, if you walk into one of my areas, which you did many times with your little Vikings, we uh, is a fisticuffs. We started rolling some dice. We had counted up how many units were on each side. Each one has a base strength of one. Each of you can contribute food to increase your strength by one for each food you contribute. You're going to include any buildings that are there, like fortresses or defense towers that help with combat. Roll a random die, and uh, whoever has the highest strength wins the combat. There could be some skulls that pop up, which automatically knock somebody else. Casualties. Casualties in battle. And it's not a random die, y'all. These die are specific to the game. You just don't pick up a D6. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> it is a, it's, a, it's a roll of a die for a random result added to the combat. So well, I didn't want people to get the wrong idea. Okay. I get that. <laughs> just pick up a random die. Here, I'm going to use this D20 this time. Yeah, let's, let's just see what happens with this kind of result. What are you going to roll over there? I'm going to roll a D4. Oh, I'm going to roll a D2. It's called a quarter. On ties, defender wins. Otherwise, the uh, loser must retreat and leave the area, which I was not crazy about the retreat rules. I'm so used to 
when you, ha you have to retreat, you have to go back to where you came from. Not so in this game. We read the rule over and over. It looks like you could just go to any adjacent neutral area, which literally means you could jump across to the other side where you weren't coming from and actually gain an extra move, it almost seemed like, if you well, have to Okay, lose. so thematically, you're in battle. You're getting your butt kicked and you retreat. Do you care where you went? Oh, hey, wait, let's run into this part of the woods where we came from. Or how about the woods behind us where it's easier to get to? That's where we need to retreat to. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't really, I know from a board gaming perspective, I understand. I'm used to Nevsky, which is very particular when you treat. It's got to go back on the way that you came from. So oh, Fine, but these are that's Vikings. A bit, that's a little bit deeper game. So anyway, so that's what happens uh, during combat. So did I cover all the X's? Explore, exterminate, exploit, and what's the other? Explore, exterminate. Oh, man. Expand? Oh, yeah, expand. Sure. Go with that. <laughs> There's five dollars from somebody. Uh, controlling and developing. I don't know what the four X's are. And anyway, so also you need to build out your area, build out your uh, territory, because that's kind of the whole goal of the game. And by the way, enclosing an uh, area with with borders also earns you uh, fame at the end of each year. Because after you do all your actions, you go to the harvest, where you're going to collect one fame for each territory size of two, or, or two fame for each larger territory. All the areas that you have, like little wood symbols on buildings and everything, you collect wood, you collect food, you collect lore. Then the winter, and this is just like the video game, every winter you got to start paying wood and food depending on how big your population is. The bigger your population, the more that you'll have to uh, pay in food and wood to make sure that you get through the winter. Then after that, it's the end of the year. Uh, if nobody's won, you continue to year two, rinse, repeat, seven rounds. That's it. So you forgot one of them, T. T? Yeah, four X's and a T. Turtle. That's how we play these games. We don't. Well, I know. <laughs> I, 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 I thought, okay, I'm not going to do the fame. I'm going to try the win condition of getting three areas and try to stay over where I was, oh. but that, that didn't work. You can't. You can't turtle in these games, just like in the RTS. I can't turtle in the RTS. If you want to win, you got to go out. Now, we didn't play with this, but there's also another time period each year where animals could activate or creatures could activate. So there could be roaming creatures on the board. So when you flip over a tile, if it has a, a, animal, a bear claw, it means some creatures will spawn and you have to deal with those. If you go into that area, you have to fight them. Some of those roam, which is exactly like the RTS. Sometimes you'll list the fog of war and there's a, a den of wolves and you got to go clear out those den of wolves before you can take over that area and everything. So again, it is not as extensive as the video game. The video game has a huge tech tree where you're spending lore and all this stuff to really evolve through your tech. The only tech that you have here is a couple clan upgrades. But other than that, it's exactly what I wanted in a game like this. And I love games that use deck building mechanics in a unique way. And I think it did that with this. I appreciate the game from the standpoint of, like I've already said, the small deck building. I never, I didn't feel like I was constantly having to draft cards that was good uh, matter of fact i got to draft a card at the end of the year oh i forgot to mention that so yeah, yeah. you talked about it's not your typical deck builder because you just keep adding cards to your deck you only add one card to your deck per year mm -hmm. uh at the beginning of each year you put out three development cards or number of cards of number of players that have mm -hmm. been played wow the number of cards dealt is the number of players and we we're just playing with three the first person to pass during the action phase gets first dib at the card and is first player next turn. You're only adding six cards to your deck mm -hmm. aside from your faction cards over the course of the game. That's a strategy that you need to consider is if I pass early, I can get the card I want. Yep. So, and these aren't 
poor cards in any means. It's not like your typical muddle up the deck type of extra power card. This is, Ooh, that's, that's, that one, Ooh, that one's, Ooh, but I really like that one. But Oh wait, Marty can't have that one. Cause that really helps his clan. So strategy from that perspective, there is a wasteful card though. If you, for some reason, can't feed your people, you must take an unrest card into your deck, which is basically junk. It just clogs up your hand. So that's what, that's the penalty for not being able to feed. And it is not a very nice card either. It's minus five on the fame. It is. Nobody got it. Everybody made sure to feed there. It's just to make sure that by the end of the year, do I have enough food? And you got to be careful. Tony came in a couple of times and wiped out my farms and took over my farms, which took a couple of my food to feed my guys. And I'm like, oh, just sometimes Tony, you actually wanted to lose fights. Mm -hmm. so that you could reduce your population a little bit because I didn't want to take the minus five. And that's, that's part of the strategy is as you need to figure out because you know, he's bringing back because you, you, if you're card counting, you know, Oh wait, I've got recruit coming up. Mm -hmm. I did not play this game well at all. I guess I need some RTS time. I need to see if my computer can run this thing because well, one resource starved. That is an issue. If you're, you've got to, you've got to plan accordingly. You've got to be able to build the buildings. You've got to be able to get the harvest. You've got to go out there and have the necessary resources in order to upgrade your settlements or go do battle. Maybe what I need to do, I was the wolves, uh, which I would gain additional fruit after I attacked someone and won. There, that was a key winning. That sucked. Never did that very well, but it, Either way, I need to be able to think through that. Well, if I get a whole bunch of fruit at the end of the year, then next year I can go out and attack somebody. Mm -hmm. So I had to take in that. And I got very lucky one time because one time I had enough population where I needed a little wood. I was like, oh, crap. Oh, I'm glad I had that covered. Man. Honestly, that's like the video game. Video uh, Resources are hard to manage in the video game. Uh, cause each winner is just basically burning through those resources uh, really fast. So it's some tight resource management. Again, it's what I wanted it to be. Uh, really nice components, really nice little miniatures. It's a, it's a really nice box with a nice insert, nice map tiles. The art style matches the video game. I know that Bert said he wasn't crazy about it because it's more cartoony, but that is like the video game itself. It's not realistic. Hey, my, those Vikings reminded me of the Lost Vikings. I loved it. And I guess I'm, I used to did not like 4X style games at all, but like Clash of Cultures, this is nothing like Clash of Cultures, not that scale, mm -hmm. but it's a well scaled back version of that style of game with the nice deck building mechanics. So yeah, I, I'm a fan of Northgard. It's going to stay on my show. I hope that we could play it again so we can try different factions. Well, I mean, what were your final thoughts on it? I enjoyed playing it. I need to play it again, just see, okay, maybe I can do it. Cause I did drawing the tiles, doing the explorer. It seemed like, man, where am I going to go get the wood? I was not understanding how to generate the resources the first time I saw it. So now I know the importance of it. It's just like any game. You're sitting there thinking, hmm, how do I do that? And once again, these are always impressions from us. Which levers do I need to pull to make this successful? I was not successful. I pushed instead of pulled a lever. That was a bad thing on my part. So I enjoyed it. I will play this anytime you put it on the table. That is Northgard Uncharted Lands from Studio H. Brought to us by Hachette Games. Uh, look for it coming out uh, Gen Con sometime in August. I like it. Now I'm going to go play the video game. For some odd reason, we have been on a kick with war games here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Don't know why, but we are. Because it's fun. We're going to become those guys you see at Gen Con sitting in the back. 
I'm okay with that. I am too. I'm 100% okay with that. <laughs> or you just go sit at one spot for three days. <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> oh, we're going to play an epic campaign game of where I'm better than the generals in history. That's right. That's what I'm going to go do. I'm, I'm fine with that. I will own that in a heartbeat. So this game is uh, 1941 Race to Ma- Moscow from Phalanx. Did I say that right? Phalanx? Games? Phalanx or Phalanx? phalanx? One, I'm not sure. One of the two. P H A L E N X. P H A L E N X. You are, look at you, Mr. Spelling Bee champ. You knocked that out of the park. Designer Waldek Gummini. Oh, I know I messed that up. And I apologize to him. But this is, this is actually sort of a re implement from 1944 Race to the Rhine game. Okay. Mm. History lesson, people. So in 1941, Germany broke their pack and did Operation Barbosa. Oh, I didn't know the name. Yes, okay. it's, it's Operation Barbosa. This is where Hitler and the high command said, all right, well, they had a pact with uh, Russia, and Russia was feeding them supplies for the war effort. They thought they were going to ally with Germany and Japan, um, Italy, and say, okay, you know, we're going, we're going to have world domination here. We're good to go. And then suddenly, that wasn't really Hitler's plan. And Stalin did not see this coming. And actually, um, Germany thought that when they attacked, that the people of Russia would kick Stalin out because of his poor planning. But what they didn't realize is that Stalin had a huge base that would not do that. So Germany, as they are doing their blitzkrieg through racing to Moscow, they unfortunately, it was taking them too long. And the second worst winner in history set upon them before they made it to their objectives. Mm. Guns were freezing. The tanks were out of uh, fuel. Food was scarce. Moscow was, I mean, the Russians were burning as they were leaving and retreating back to Moscow. So basically it was an utter failure on Germany's part. And now they had two fronts going on. They had uh, Russia, the, the Eastern front. And then of course you had the battle with Britain and the United States. And I think I remember in Hogan's Heroes, yes. uh, the, the Germans were always, if their punishment was they had to go to the Eastern Front. Where it was cold, Siberia. It right, was exactly. Not, it was not a good day for them. So in this game, this is not going to be about fighting. Very little. This is logistics, man. How yep. do you feed your army? How do you get to your army? I just finished up Hitler's Reich, and you heard about it recently on another show where we talk about the Pact of 1941. So this dwells down into a very small part of World War II. Other than a few issues we had with the rule book, really enjoyed this. I'm becoming an old person. I, too, like this more than I thought I would. It's It really is a logistics-style game. I was trying to think of the way, what's the best way to explain it. It's almost somewhat like a pick-up-and-deliver uh, each of you are playing three different German armies whose goal is to march north, but each of you are marching up different parts of the map. So there's not a lot of interaction between you two. There's none. Mm-mm. It's not a co-op game, but it's literally who can do the best at progressing further north. And the reason why I said it's a pickup and delivers because you have supply depots at the southern part of the map, and your goal is to create train networks and uh, truck networks to transport goods such as ammo, food, and fuel to those on the front lines, the the foot soldiers and the tanks that can use it in order to progress 
further into Russia to try to reach their goal of the capital cities that they're trying to get to. So to me, it was almost like a maybe pickup and delivers bad. It is really is logistics, but you are having to, to build these lines of transportation that you can push goods through. But what's interesting, Tony, is, is that once you use a line between two cities as both a train and a truck, you can no longer use that line to like halfway through the game when yeah. it clears and resets. And I think that's one of the things everybody was trying to get their mind. Why can't I push more stuff? Well, think of it like this. And, and I understand why, why can the train not turn around? Well, because maybe they didn't have turntables. Well, the truck's already being used up at the Western Front. And by the time it comes back, remember, we are in a blitzkrieg. We are trying to race to Moscow. I think it's in the title of the game. We don't have time for this. So you have to plan. You have to get your supplies. And this is the thing I did very poorly. Station my supplies forward so that I can then build my convoy, my supply line from that and continue moving my arm army. Because when a tank or a panzer of division moves into a battle zone, he has to spend a fuel to crank up. He moves into the battle zone. He sees his um, opposition. He has to use his ammo. There's no dice rolling in this. Mm -mm. Basically, you flip over a card and it says to defeat this unit, you need to spend X amount of fuel, X amount of ammo. And if you do, congratulations, you've taken it over. You get to put one of your little special tokens on there to mark that you've got it. Otherwise, you got to fall back. That's yeah. And once you do that, you can say, okay, I fall. I can continue to move my Panzer division, but I got to crank them back up and move them. You can move them up to three. And then where there's not defended Russian states, you don't run into a lot of opposition. Matter of fact, that deck, the pursuit deck is not that punishing. You might find supplies or something like that. So very, to me, thematic in that respect. And the other issue that I was dealing with on my army was that at the end of your turn, you've got to protect those supply lines, and that's with your field army, your foot soldiers. So you got to be able to protect those because if they're not protected during Marty's turn or Bert's turn, I might get countered attack. And that's where the interaction between players comes in. Okay. All right. Is that you destroy my supply lines. Now I've got to go back and send an army there to recapture that or look for another supply line. And maybe I've already used that supply line and now I got, oh, that to me was a strategy and that was where it was the interaction. Mm -hmm. So how do you win? You either get the most fame or, or um, iron crosses or you capture your objective city, Leningrad, Moscow, or what was yours, Rostov? Yes. Mm -hmm. Whoever gets to their city first, the high command celebrates your name and you are the you are the winner right then. It does seem like a lot of times that won't happen. Instead, it will be basically uh, time will run out. There's kind of a built-in clock because uh, at the end of the turn, there's a counterattack, but there's also this thing where the Russians react mm -hmm. and basically they're trying to fortify their capital cities. And there are these tokens that they use to indicate they're fortifying cities in front of their capital. And once the supply of tokens runs out, that also triggers the end of the game. So you're always trying to fight forward because if you don't yeah. have those to pull back onto the board, game's over. That was probably just as a little side note, the most confusing part of the game. And yeah. that's where we really struggled with the rules. I don't know how often we read section 18 of the rules, <laughs> which had to do with this whole part. So we finally went up to BGG, kind of find out there was a fact and a rata. And the main part of the fact was rewriting, reordering 
section 18 of the rules to try to figure out. And Tony, even today, we were talking about it again, mm -hmm. going, do we exactly do that right? Now, the nice thing is, is even if we didn't do that part exactly right, the things that we did on our player actions, we felt we got pretty right. And that was the most interesting part of the game anyway, was the whole logistics and trying. you're trying to plan what's the best path. So, Because one of the things on your turn is you can establish these train lines. You actually have physical trains you take from your card and put on the map and trucks, and you can move goods from city to city, but each city can only hold, was it four? Uh, each, no, six. Each, each forward city could only hold six. Six. If there happened to be a tank there or some soldiers there, you could resupply them right then and there so they're not using up uh, the warehouses in the city. But it was trying to logistically try to plan these routes and uh, talked about them resetting. At some point in the game, the train supply will run out, which will trigger a reorganization, and all the trucks and trains come off the board. The good thing about that is that opens up every route that could be used now uh, in the next half of the game. However, you've moved so far forward, you got a long line to establish before you get supplies back up there. Good news is your logistics is a little bit better, so you can hold more trucks and trains when you recover them. Now, one thing is the supplies are not infinite. They're limited. So as Marty's gathering his supplies, I need to be watching that. Maybe he takes all the fuel. Well, that's going to hurt me. Why did the Southern Army get it and not me? Why is Bert over there with the fleet, the battleships, getting all the food and ammo? This is not fair. High command, you have done me wrong. I do not appreciate this. Once again, we walked through the rules. We walked through a uh, slow, methodical. We feel like we played it almost 100%. There was one thing we also, even though I said it at the beginning, and it's amazing, as you're going through the rules, little things get forgotten. When you activate your foot, arm, foot soldiers or your field armies, all of them activate. And we were all saying this one activates and then, oh, for my next turn, this one activates. I yeah. think that would have changed the game for us a little bit. I really liked it. Again, it's not a game about combat. There is combat, but it's, it's very, it's very straightforward. Flip over a card, hopefully have the resources to get through that uh, line and put your marker on the board. It's all about logistics. It's setting up supply lines, making sure that you get the right supplies to the right units in the field so they can continue to move north. This game is listed as a one. I guess it's a one through four game. Yes. All of us felt like three is perfect. Absolutely perfect. The fourth player would play as the Russians, which I don't think there'd be that much for them to do. But again, that's why I think three is perfect because each of you controls one of the German regiments, battalions, whatever they're called on the board and then you just sit down and, and start playing. This is a game, Tony, that I honestly couldn't stop thinking about. After mm. we were done, I kept thinking about how cool it was, how I was trying to set up my supply lines and how thematic that was. If the further I push north, the harder it is to get those supplies way up to the line and time is running out. Winter's getting harder. I don't know if I can make my final destination of the capital city. And if I can't, well, then I just hope I've collected enough iron crosses over the course of the game to win. Mm. And you've stretched your supply lines to where the rear armies cannot defend them. So you're going to lose some of your counterattacks. And of course, as you're progressing, all three major cities are rebuilding their fortresses and pushing out from there. If you're playing the basic Soviet reaction rules, there's, right. there's additional uh, harder rules. Let's call them that or optional rules, advanced rules, I advanced think. rules. Yeah. Yeah. And so all that's there now. 
I will say this, this is not a cheap one. This is, this is an $87 game over at miniature market, uh, models, the, the fuel, the, the food, the ammo, all that was great. The models were great. This is one of those where it's, think about your core group. Are they going to sit in a dark, dingy corner at Gen Con and play these games? That's who this is for. I'm looking at the time here. It says 90 to 120 minutes. I think that's mm -hmm. pretty spot on. Once you know how to play three player, that's probably about right. Absolutely. And it's all, it was all about getting gas. <laughs> I hate to say it. That's what this section, this is what that time period was for them. The, the foot soldiers needed food mm -hmm. to be able to move. The tanks needed fuel. So I look forward to playing this again, especially with my continued reading of the rules. It's one of those where you will constantly read the rules. Did we do this right? Did we do this right? Watch the videos. Hopefully more videos will come out. Maybe there's some other things. I read through a whole bunch of um, discussions on the forums after we were done playing. So I feel pretty strong about this for the next time we play. But once again, that's 1941 Race to Moscow from Phalanx Games. Or Phalanx. There's no games. Or phalanx. Or phalanx. I don't know. Something. Miniaturemarket.com. Every week, they're in your wallet. Maybe it's the Star Wars universe you desire. Or better yet, maybe they're selling, oh, well, I don't know, small travel games. I know during this recording, that's what they were pushing. They were doing all these small travel games. And if you haven't been over to their site in a while, they are expanding. I have seen more chess collections recently go up. Mm. Go. I have my own Go, my own Go board. So, you know, Go, classic, classic game. So it's very hard straight. Mark, you and I, maybe one time when we do a throwback, we can play Go together. Yeah, it's been a while for me. Oh, it's been a long time for me. I, I mean, I learned the rules probably six years ago and I have no mm -hmm. idea. Or better yet, maybe you need to get those puzzles. I know I'm, I'm excited for some of the ones that they've got coming out. They've got these 4d puzzles. They've got these 3d puzzles. They recently had like the Avengers headquarters, the, the Stark tower that you could put together. Then they had the game of Thrones map where you could put the little miniatures on that to show where the various the um no that's the wrong thing i forget how anyway so what what was the um oh the castle rock wow where did i pull that from miniaturemarket.com for the gaming needs or be sure to get ready for those gen con releases maybe you don't need to head over there right now maybe just store up so we can start seeing what's going to come out at Gen Con. Either way, you know they got to make room. So you know there's going to be a sale. Oh, man. They are always in my wallet. That's miniaturemarket.com. Hey, we talked about a game earlier that was based on a video game. How about another game based on a video game which Tony has probably never played? Tony ever played Sniper Elite from Rebellion Studios? Uh, no. Okay, uh, so this no, is a board game. <laughs> there, that, okay, Rebellion. leave me alone. There's a period of time where, you know, it was all Guild Wars 2, and then basically everything just stopped. And I think that was the period of computers dying out and 
Xbox 360 going away. And, you know, it wasn't until recently that I got back into them. So, you know, yeah, I missed out a lot, but I'm getting a lot. Of, matter of fact, I'm waiting for Sniper Elite to go on sale for the PlayStation so I can pick that up. There you go. There you go. So, well, now you know what it's kind of about because you're a sniper going into infiltrate areas and try to be stealthy and uh, take over some objectives or get some objectives. And naturally, that's exactly what's being done here in a board game designed by our good friend, David Thompson, mm. uh, who's done uh, Uncharted and War Chest and Uncharted. See, dadgummit, I'm thinking video games. Undaunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, War Chest and other games, and it's also designed with Roger Tankersley. And in this game, it's one versus many. It's a stealth type game to where somebody is secretly moving around a board, trying to pick up one of two random objectives that are dealt at the beginning of the game. The other players are trying to track you down using various tricks and everything to corner you and try to find you. And they're trying to deal two damage to you or hopefully keep you from getting two objectives before the time runs out. However, if the alone sniper gets his two objectives, the game is immediately over. And that's kind of really the whole theme of the game. Sneaking around, taking people out, yelling, are you there? Did I hear you? You sure? You positive? It, it reminded me of my time with um, Nuns on the Run and how that mechanic worked. And I'm sitting there going, now, I was not, I'm not a big fan proponent of these hidden player games marty I'm, I'm just not and i didn't realize that you never played specter ops no mm -mm. which is to me this is analogous to specter ops okay. there's one person moving around a board and tr attempting they're trying to attempt mission objectives and then try to escape and there's people trying to hunt them down and you have a board that you secretly write your path on that's exactly what's going on here you have a, a dry erase board of the map and I was playing as a sniper, and on my turn, I would I would move. If I move zero or one spaces, nobody hears me. If I move two or three spaces, if I walk beside somebody that's in an adjacent space, I have to point to that figure to let them know that they potentially heard something. They heard footsteps or something like that as I try to walk around. At that point, Tony, you could do things like sweep, right? You could start asking me questions if I'm in an area or something like that. Yeah, I could sweep. I could try to say, oh, are you in these three spots? Or am I am I doing, um, oh, I don't know. Am I doing a special officer action? Yeah, like the, some of the officers, you could you could pick special abilities of the officers. Like early one had dogs. He could mm -hmm. station guard dogs <laughs> uh, to let you know if somebody uh, walks by. There's actually three different factions on the board. Each one has a general. Uh, the general has special abilities that they can do. But Tony, I uh, believe that you get uh, each of your faction gets two actions they could spend per turn, or there are some actions that cost both your actions for the faction, right? Yeah, where I can narrow down where you are. I would go into, and I forget the name of it. I don't have the game um, in front of me from the standpoint of it. I was able to say, are you in this sector? Which I don't know how I feel about that. Think it's too powerful? I think it's, a, I mean, I have to give up both my actions. But it helps me, it moves me towards trying to at least, other than that, you're running around and it's going to become a mastermind game where it's me guessing constantly. Well, yeah, except that I, I you guys did a really good job. I, I lost, uh, you guys cornered me and I was trying to double back and do all these little tricks and stuff. And uh, and you guys, it was, it was so funny. So one time I had doubled back into a spot 
<laughs> and they were tr- uh, Tony and Bert were trying to figure out where I was. And Tony said, if he doubled back, he's right here. And Bert said, but I don't think Marty's that smart to do that. <laughs> and I actually, at that point in time, was actually that smart where you actually could have taken me out. Mm-hmm. So luckily you didn't do that. Now you eventually got me. But at the beginning of the game, I draw two cards and the map has a couple numbered spots on them. There's there's numbered spots in, in different colored locations. And I have a numbered spot in two different colored locations. And I have to walk up to that number location and complete the objective and when I do, I say, hey, guess what? I just picked this up so you know I was there, so you can make a beeline over there. I could take pot shots at you guys. And I am a sniper, right? So I have a bag of tokens. Uh, and this is, yeah, you needed to do this more. I didn't shoot enough to where I, I could say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to shoot someone and I'm going to draw X amount of tokens out of my bag. And the number of hit tokens I draw out of my bag must equal the distance between me and my target. However, there's misfire tokens in there and noise tokens. And if I draw enough noise tokens, I actually have to say, crap, well, here I am. You guys just heard me because I the gun jammed on me and I'm trying to get the, <laughs> what's, it, what's it called? The, not the lever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to unjam the gun. You guys are just hearing me over there. I didn't shoot enough. <laughs> I did not shoot you guys enough, but uh so yeah, that, that's how that part of the game works. And you guys can shoot me too, but you can only shoot me in the same spot or location that you're in. So you could just take oh. random pot shots and see if I was there. Oh, and I think that's what lost me. It's a fun game. Don't get me wrong. The reason why I'm laughing is I'm sitting here thinking, okay, go back to these old bad movies where the guards are walking around and they hear something and they rattle off seven shots into the dark. <laughs> You know, bam, 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 bam. Did I hit something? And I guess that's where you need to get into the theme of this. You know, mm. how how did I know you were over there other than what made me think that you were coming there? And once again, it takes me back to a bad movie where, oh, look, the plans for world denomination, domination are in this facility and we've leaked it and now we got a sniper coming in. I never played the video game, so I did not know the premise of why he was in there. I'm just trying to hunt down a couple things and uh, get out. <laughs> it's kind of my whole goal, man. <laughs> I mean, there's the great interaction. There is that deduction where Bert and I'm like, okay, we need to set up a perimeter so that when he goes past us, we at least hear something unless he only moves one time. But then this, he's got only 20 moves overall to do this. So there's got to be a little speed on that. Other than that, he's going to be done in no time and we'll win. And I think that's where the fun is. That's where you're sitting there going, okay, how do we do that? How do we corner you? How do we corner the sniper? On your side being the sniper, like you said, it's how do we mislead this? Yep. What do I do? I mean, so I get to hear all you guys' discussions, right? Mm -hmm. So I hear where you think that I am. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to not be where you think that I am. And I have thrown you guys off my scent. At one point in time, you guys were in this one sector kind of circling around, but I had never gotten that far because I was trying to grab this one objective. And you, Tony, you left this one guard down there that you would just not move. And I was like, I don't know. I got to get, I got to hope to get by this guy and fake you guys out. And I did not do a good job of that because you took me out. I never even got towards the second objective to complete the game. The game plays one to four players, so it's always one versus uh, several. It could be up to three different factions where 
with four players, three people control the three different factions. Otherwise, it's kind of divvied up. You controlled one, Burt controlled one, and as a team, y'all both controlled the other faction. So that's that's kind of how that works. It's a it's a very simple stealthy game, but it it had to have uh, variability. Cause mm-hmm. you can pick certain loadouts that you can have uh, from your deck. Like I have things, I have silencers so I could shoot more quietly or I could do something where I could throw a rock to distract you to another location. <laughs> and then each of your generals have special abilities that you could pick to be different each game. So there's good variability in the game. Oh, and there's an expansion, which even increases that beyond with more abilities and uh, more models and everything. So, and you played it on hard mode. You played it on the mode where I did. I did. I did not uh, draw the cards like I was supposed to and and use those cards effectively. But still, I mean, we got the good mechanics of the game. Again, if you like Spectre Ops, this is going to have a similar feel to it. Uh, if you like the the video game, I think it does a good good idea of like, yeah, you're sneaking to a German building and you're trying to sneak around and pick up a couple objectives. Sometimes if you find a guard by himself, ping, ping, you take him out and hopefully don't draw too much uh attention to yourself. Otherwise you're just trying to be quiet and move around to get through the objectives you need to win the game. So when you were talking about your rifle, Jim, I can just see, Oh, where's a rock picking up a rock. Bam, bam, bam. Unjam the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hit the bullet and it shoots you in the leg or something. Oh, sniper elite. I I do want to play it again. I won't be the sniper because this is one of those games where when you're playing it with your friends, you're trying to prove who's smarter. And that's when the fun, the trash talking comes in. And, yeah. th- and that's what you needed to be doing. You needed to be trash. You need to be trying to throw us off. I, I don't know if it's in the rule book that you can't talk, but you you should have come out and you said, you know, yeah, right. I'm not that smart. Yeah, like I'm not going to double back. Well, see, I think that would give stuff away. If when you said, Bert said he's not that smart, and I was go, yeah, I'm not that smart. Y'all would immediately saw right through that. He's right there. I mean, I know the best thing at that point was just shut up. And not say anything, anything. But that's where you can do the fact or crap thing. Where How good of a liar are you? Uh, that's true. That's true. I was just enjoying seeing where y'all were going and basically trying to plan out my next move. It's like, how am I going to get out of this room without them detecting me? And, and you guys, and there's a lot of logic and deduction involved. You, you know, if I take a, a move of two or three and I point to one or two models, you guys can kind of center in where I might be. Mm-hmm. My only hope is, is you don't have enough actions on your turn to pin me in so I can get away the next turn. Yeah. And I mean, how did I know that objective and you weren't trying to loot that to get more tools in your thing? Right. Uh, and the other thing is when near the end of the game, I kept hearing the sounds from stop thief of the little um, thief trying to run away. I was like, yeah. or whatever that sound was. I was like, okay, did he just do that? Did he jump on the subway? And, and go away. So Sniper Elite, um, David Thompson, Roger Tankersley, thank you for bringing it to life for us as a board yeah. game. Yeah, again, it's a, Rebellion has a new a board gaming studio called Rebellion Unplugged. So who knows? Maybe we'll see some more there, uh, make some more of the board game. The, by the way, the components, man, some thick old components and everything. Some uh, really nice like UV layering on top of the mat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the miniatures are washed. Uh, so they have some nice detail to them and everything. So the components of the game are really, really, really nice. So that's Sniper Elite, the board game from Rebellion Unplugged, a stealthy one versus mini game. 
Last episode, we gave you our review of Gutenberg. Did you go buy it? Did you? Did you? Why not? You should. You should head over to PortalGamesUS.com and get that bad boy. Or, wait a minute. So he's like, well, Marty, Marty, Marty. Maybe I don't want to play a Euro. Okay, fine, 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 fine. How about uh, you want to play in the Batman universe and you want to be a detective and work with Batman and try to solve some crimes? Well, then you need to go check out Everybody Lies, which is based on the detective series. And you go, Marty, maybe I want to do something else. What's coming out at Gen Con? Well, keep your eye out on Brazil. We talked about Northgard being a deck building 4X game. This is touted as a Euro 4X game. So I cannot wait to see how this game is going to play. So look, got a lot of different things out there. You want a good point-salady type Euro, you've got Gutenberg. If you want to look forward to something that maybe has a 4X feel to it, it's a little bit different, there's Bazil. Or how about a very thematic game? Go pick up Batman, Everybody Lies. All this is available over at portalgamesus.com, unless you're not in the US, and then it would be portalgames.pl, and then you pick whatever language you want to read it in, and uh, you can get it from, from there. Is that right, Ignacy? Is that how that works? All right, Tony, I finally finished 13 Sentinels on the Switch. Took me 30 hours to finish this little narrative-driven game. My final review, it was not nearly as good as the last game I played, which was Triangle Strategy. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed the story much better in Triangle Strategy. This was a sci-fi story, kind of hard to keep track of a lot of characters. And the combat got very generic and vanilla by the end. Early on, it was really fun seeing how the stories laid out. There's some really wild out there sci-fi stuff going on. That part I liked, but at the end, I had to get through all these battles that were kind of boring to end the game. Glad I finished it. Uh, if you want a, a narrative-driven, heavy narrative-driven game, 13 uh, Sentinels Aegis or Aegis, uh, you might want to check that out. So immediately after that, I was tired of narrative-driven games. It's like, I got to go run around and do something. So I picked up Neon White. Have you seen a trailer for this? No. It is like a first-person platformer where you speed run through levels. So you're running through levels using a deck of cards that could potentially give you like guns to shoot things or a card that can make you double jump. And you're trying to get from point A to point B as fast as you can. And there's a cute little story. The story is, is that uh, you've, God has pulled you out of hell to help hunt down demons and you're competing against other demons and uh, you're trying to gain favor. What? What? Why? Why am I down in hell? Because you've been a bad person. Uh, no, well, you're not. <laughs> you've been pulled out of hell now, and demons have escaped, and you're trying to help go around heaven and capture the demons. And if you do, you'll get rewarded and be able to stay in heaven. So that's the theme of the game. It has some funny voice acting and stuff like that. But it's one of those things that I don't know that I'll ever finish because I suck so bad at this game. So even once you finish a level... Uh, or you finish like 10 levels in a, in a little storyline, you have to earn X amount of gold medals to open up the next story. So lots of times you have to rerun those levels and it tells you you have to do it this amount of time to get the gold. So you're doing it over and over and trying to get your time quicker, make the jump faster, etc. It is so funny. As I'm sitting there playing, I realize I'm jumping. I'm holding the controller and physically moving my body like, get over that hump. Jump up, 
move to the left, move to the right. So I'm moving around all over the place. I was thinking about live streaming it because it'd be really funny to watch. Fantastic game, but I could see now I, I'll probably never finish it. But hey, I'm having fun while I have it. That's fine. As long as you're having fun. I know for me, I was, I'm at the end of my Valhalla run, finally, after 180 hours plus, but I almost had an Elden Ring rage quit today. Uh-oh. Yes. There, so I'm at the end game, no spoilers here, and I have to do something. And the only way you can do that is pause the game. I didn't realize that there was another button that pauses the game, not the one I've always used. Mm. And I was getting very, very angry. I quit the game and reloaded thinking it was a bug. So 45 minutes wasted trying to get out of this one area. I knew what I needed to do. I just didn't know how to physically do it on the stupid controller. And then I was like, like, why can I not do this? And I'm reading and reading. Everything I read online was pause the game, pause the game and do this, pause the game. And I'm like, where's the, oh, you're kidding me. That button is paused. So not very, I wasn't very happy and I'm almost done with it. And I'm, and I cannot wait to get to the end of this thing because I like you, as soon as I'm done with just the main story, I'm going to put it aside. Even though I got the DLC stuff, I'm going to put it aside and I will probably start. Oh, I don't know. Something on the switch. Maybe you made me buy a farming game. So I'll probably start playing that. Didn't you buy sky Dew Valley? That's it. The farming game. Stardew Valley. Stardew Sorry. Valley. Mm-hmm. Got it. So I'm going to start playing that. However, you're in my wallet. Have you pre-ordered yet? No, I haven't. You made me go down a rabbit hole. You're very good at that. Thank you. And I was on uh, YouTube looking, and then something popped up. All these Shredder Revenge, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge videos were popping up. All the reviews, everybody's loving it. Yep. But then a video pops up about why I hate limited run, and we're going to order the physical copy. Okay. And I haven't watched it. It was an hour long, which is a problem for me. You've lost me at the first five minutes. He's like, I don't like limited run, or maybe it's just clickbait. I don't know yet. So what is limited run? So limited run is a company that will take lots of times digital only games and get the rights to make physical copies. And I have several limited run games uh, in my collection. And in fact, there's a store, physical store that opened up in Cary, North Carolina, right outside of Raleigh. First one ever. Uh, which is looks like a really, really nice video game store I need to go to sometime. Well, anyway, Limited Run is making a physical copy of TMNT Shredder's Revenge. However, it's not going to be out for several months. And so I was talking to Tony and we was looking at it. It has like uh, some nice artwork and some really cool things that come along with it. And I said, you know what? Th- I think this will be one of those games that would be worth something if we bought the physical copy because Limited Run games typically never go down in value. Yeah. So I got to do that. And I mean, it's not, I mean, $29.99. The problem is we don't get to play it now. Question. Oh, you're not going to get the really nice one with the steel book. There's no reason for that. That's silly talk. But it's steel book, steel case. I love steel cases. Well, you, then you drop the extra $30. How about I go out with a hammer and I hammer my own steel case? I know I get a free pizza. Ah, here we go. Uh, pre-orders close July 24th. So we have a month. Okay. I got time to keep going back and forth on this. Got no problem with that. It's $34.99 for the regular version, $64.99 for the uh, special edition. I don't need the special edition. I don't need the steel case. I don't. Well, or you could spend $1.99 for the ultimate edition. No. 
It's a video game. Real TMT fans would. No, they wouldn't. They would look at it and like say, this Donatello would not approve of this. He'd rather you use the additional money on a pizza. Oh, you get a coupon for a pizza. Exactly. And I get that in the regular game. Turtles in a half shell, turtle power. I am excited. I I do look forward to playing that. I know it's nothing but a side-scrolling hack and slash, whatever words you use. A beat-em-ups. A beat-em-ups. Beat-em-ups, what it's called, yep. That's fine. But that'd be fun. But we can play multiplayer. I've heard multiplayer is a blast. So you and I maybe get the game and we'll get on our Twitch stream and have some fun playing multiplayer. And And we didn't have that. We had Gauntlet at the dorm. We never had the Turtles. Right. So we could play Gauntlet from from multiplayer. So, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. I bought a bunch of games with the big sales that Nintendo's had lately. So I bought a bunch of those. So I got that. can get that on the Switch, get that cranked back up. Very excited to get those going. And one last thing before we start rolling some dice here. A second? Oh, not yet. Not, not yet. We can do that okay. in a minute. All right. Have you figured out why I named the episode what I did? Snowbound Genesis? <laughs> yeah, that one. I would assume it's because that we played Race to Moscow. Well, Northgard, we're in the north where it's cold and snow. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, I I don't consider Sniper Elite. Maybe maybe it was happening up in the cold reaches. I don't know. So, yeah. Another thing you could have done is stick Snowblind. I thought of that. I was thinking we had used that one. I just didn't get in time. But I said, hey, here's a deep cut. Let's give Genesis some love. I have to go listen to this song because I don't know I don't know Snowbound, so I'll go to go check it out. Go check it out. So, and before you do, roll some dice and take some names. Thanks for listening, everyone. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dice and Names. Make sure to check out our Discord page. If you want to, you can support the show over at BuyMeAMoonPie.com. And on that same site, you can sign up for our strike tournament at Gen Con. Thanks for listening. Tony, you're killing me eating that second Pop-Tart. But I'm going to persevere. But I will say this, man. After my physical tomorrow, I'm popping the Pop-Tart. Just a Pop-Tart? What is wrong with you? Be a man. Put two in. Then go on your run. You can manage this. Come on. Step up. You've inspired me. I'm doing it. <laughs>